you might find this story pretty uh interesting uh i there's a guy at my work with you know construction company it's getting slow in in november and this this guy got sent um out on like a kind of just a, a shop duty kind of thing they took to tell him they took this flatbed truck with a bunch of recycled metal on there and they're like hey can you take this to the uh metal recycling place and whatever money you get we'll, we'll use it for like a barbecue pizza for the place or something it'd be, be, be really good and stuff this guy looks like if uh that they sent is like if train spotting took place in mexico uh the movie uh like just meth sores like just fucked up like and i'm like that's not the style. guy <sighs> no no he didn't uh no I mean, he train didn't. spotting they had the killer they had the killer looks you know it's true. No, it's true. He did not. I mean, but if train spying took place in Mexico, I, I'm not sure they would. The fashion would, would, uh, <laughs> would be like quite... dirty T-shirts and like <laughs> bellies hanging out of shirts and whatnot. Bugs, Bugs Bunny T-shirt and like yeah. yeah. But the, the so he had a I, I not me, but a couple other people were like, hey, maybe don't send that guy there alone because uh, he had a master plan. Because the last time they did it. He had he came back with like ten dollars for like three hundred dollars worth of scrap metal, and he's like, "Yeah, they're getting stingy." And they're like, "Yeah, we gave you a bunch of copper, though." It's uh, he's like, "Oh yeah, yeah getting real that gets stingy. him one hit. What a waste of fucking <laughs> god junkies live a retarded lifestyle." Oh, but it, this this type of work enables it so much, man. Like it just it's just like it's like pro. It, it's to the point where they're like, "Oh, we need you up at four a.m." uh tomorrow and like to stand around in the fucking rain and like do shit and then uh then be off by seven and then commute two hours back home and stuff and it's like that's you have to meth i mean you have to smoke meth for that meth and then go to bed with yeah well beer beer too just to put like a a 30 pack of beer to go to bed yeah it's like it's fucking great lifestyle from the five to the six we be in the mix with that rare candy paint job on a whip i need food for the kids money for the rent fuck a lockdown baby i can't do that shit and i don't never vote cause i'm fucking broke and either way i know the police ain't gonna leave me alone on a plane by the visit glenn rock me crypto told me i should bring the glock with me so i packed up my piece and i'm sliding cause we might get caught up in a riot middle finger trump middle finger biden fuck a left fuck a right is you riding Oh, you love to see it, dudes rockin' Ain't no politics, baby, we just talkin' From the birds to the bricks, we be in the mix With that rare candy paint job on the whip, who you with? But, um, you guys might recognize that voice If you're a long-time listener of the show Or just into, like, transgressive art, bodybuilding, uh, anything You know who this guy is Uh, his name is Adam Lair And, uh, he's been a long-time friend of the pod And we had to get yeah. him on to talk about a few things But I wanted to know if Adam notice the correlation between two events that happened in the state of New York recently, or at least two kind of trends that have happened. So a couple months ago, or however long ago, last time we talked, botched chatification comes out with their video for their single masculinity under threat, which involves many things happening in that video. You pretty much butt ass naked, also in a cop uniform. That was a a Mm -hmm. blooper that my homie fucking put into the edit. Sure. I was so, just, so like, they, fixing my dick. Right. It happens. And the, but <laughs> yeah. the, you were reading, and then you're also you know, guys are reading Infinite Jest uh, in cop uniforms. There's a lot of stuff happening in that video. However, shortly after, a bunch of rapes from like 1990 popped up again in New York. Women were saying, "Well, actually, I was raped in 1990." Is there a correlation? Yeah, of course, I caused it. 
<laughs> I caused you caused Axel Rose to Axel Rose to get me too from the from the use your illusion tour. <laughs> this is how it all works. There's a counter reaction and then a counter reaction and then a counter reaction and then a counter reaction. And it it keeps getting but at least this spout of me too's has been like excessively ridiculous. Yeah. And no one buys them, right? Like they started, I think, with Connors, Connor McGregor mm -hmm. at the NBA Finals, alleged to have uh, raped some thought in the bathroom. And then the woman blew her own story because she claimed she fought him off. Bitch. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> you, me, and seven of our homies couldn't fight this motherfucker off. And we're supposed to expect a hundred pound woman uh, got one off on the double champ. Okay. That story doesn't make any sense. Um, and then cameras, of course, like revealed anyways that she was like following around like a sick puppy dog and he was basically avoiding her. Then we get Steven Tyler, <laughs> like a 90 year old about, woman. I forgot about that one already. <laughs> um, and then Axel, but like, oh my God, you can't be raped in the rock and roll culture of the seventies and eighties. Everyone who was backstage, every woman backstage at those shows knows what they were there for. I would hope. Can you imagine? I'm just picturing the woman because I didn't read what I. It was one of those ones where I don't even want to read the story. It's so fake. It's not even like let me yeah. read, let me click on it. So I, I'm just picturing. I'm going to make my own story of a woman who possibly was assaulted by Axl Rose in 1991 or something like that. Around there, um, I was born a year prior, and I'm an old head right now. So it's uh, it's that's how long ago it was. But anyways, I'm picturing a woman probably in a you know New York kind of like outside of New York City bar. Maybe November rains playing in the background. You know, she's diddling around on a cocktail. There's like a, a reflective New York Jets kind of like mirror with a Coors sticker on it or a Coors emblem on it. And all of a sudden she's just like, you know what? I was I was raped by Axel Rose. Yeah. <laughs> and then the bartender was like, Hey, did you hear about the thing in the statue of limitations in New York? Uh yeah, it's uh it's ending like next month, so you better get it in. Of course. Yeah, she's like, I I have to. It's like you got to go for like somebody. You, it can't be Axel Rose because nobody is like it's just you can't. They, they, no, he's like a plant I mean, that just grows a, into somebody. He's like a plant that just rolls into somebody. God. Yeah. Mm -hmm. He was a fucking god. Like he was the biggest rock star in the fucking planet by a large margin from 1987 to 1990. Oh, yeah. I mean, come on. It, of the why would he of the thousands and thousands of women he slept with why would he have needed to force one of them it just it's retarded well because there's um, bureaucratic levels of it it's like well i slept with him but then i didn't agree to blah 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 and this and he didn't have a you know a form for this sex act he wanted to do it's like the bureaucrat it's always like this gray area bureaucratic thing that, yeah. that's always what it ends up being the thing you know yeah, and we used to always hear crazy story like jimmy page putting the shark in the woman's pussy for mm. shits and giggles like these used to always just be a known thing that that happened and then the time kind of passed mm. i don't know i um <laughs> i don't even know if i want to go public with this but That's sometimes fine. this sometimes this idea that beanstalk and i bounce back and forth off one another for the ban is this concept of like new rape like new metal but rape <laughs> i'm in it's like new metal was like um it was like fake metal, right. but it became like trendy. Mm -hmm. So, and it was because metal had become so sort of like shitty in the late 90s and bloated and fraudulent 
and sort of uh, distant from what it actually meant that people just sort of swallowed it wholesale. So <laughs> the theory yeah, is that right. if women keep making absurd rape claims, then rape itself ceases to exist as a concept. It's all fake. Yeah. And, in, mm-hmm. and because of that, <laughs> rape will become cool. Is <laughs> the um, end of the theory. We're going to get you right back to the episode, but I just wanted to let you guys know of a few other things we offer at Rare Candy Industries. We have a Substack with free and paid subscription options. Free subscribers get access to all written content. That includes Bob's Red Pill. That's the best thing going on the internet right now. Trust me. Paid subscribers get full access to our premium episode feed. And that's just every episode we don't necessarily want to share with the general public, if you know what I'm saying. Again, that's rarecandy.substack.com. We also have merch. That link's a little long for me to say right now, but go to the description, go to our merch store, and find a shirt that's right for you. We have Rare Candy shirts, Dr. Bronner soap label shirts, Rishi mushroom shirts, all types of stuff there. Check it out. There's got to be something for you. And lastly, check us out on social media. On Instagram, we're Rare Candy Pod, but on Twitter, we're at Rare Candy Pod 1. All right, enough of that. Let's get you back into the episode. Yeah, no, I no, I but I get what you're saying. Like it's an absurd, like an absurdist thing. I get it. It's like any yeah. racism, racism, right? If everything's racist, there's no racism. It, or yeah. that's, that, and yeah, it just makes it, racism fun to do, right? And then it, then it just becomes like, well, that's how I'm wired. So why would I ever try not to be? You know, or like why if I, which will lead into a very a, a show that I don't hear anybody talking about except me and you. The curse. Yeah, I'm. I'm. Sh- I'm really shocked. I don't even hear the opposition. I don't even hear the because there are a lot of people, and they they actually they actually use this in episode three of the curse. Is like people wait for the opposition to either a watch it or b form their opinion, right? Like there's nobody saying because like the show's not really pulling punches. Um, for anybody who doesn't know, the curse is a show. I believe it's Showtime and Paramount Plus, which I also think is possibly since it's not an HBO. You know, nine PM yeah, East Coast yeah, show. Showtime that's also mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Showtime's yeah. going out of business, so they're selling all their content to Paramount. I see. So it's one of those weird streaming, like, uh, like again, bureaucratic situations where it's not HBO, so it's not getting the HBO. Like everyone sits down and watches it, kind of thing. Everybody kind of waits for the release, but it's Nathan yeah. Fielder and um, or Felder, whatever his name is, and uh, Emma Stone. But it's uh, produced by. Uh, Benny Safdie, who's also in it, and um, and and also yeah. Nathan Felder's idea too. Um, it's a really cool blend of both of their styles: the dry, kind of awkward, almost painful style of Nathan Felder, and then the pressure, just the the pressure that's foisted upon you at any moment of the of the Safdies um, that they that they, which I don't think they always use correctly in their movies, but in this show, it is used absolutely correctly. But um, it's a show that is about like you know, white liberals and like white guilt and all this stuff. But it's framed as though it's a reality show. These, these, this couple who are kind of just trying to not be like their slumlord, you know, people that give them money to buy up property. And then they're trying to create a reality show where they're basically making this kind of like courage, the cowardly dog, like town of, uh, of Espanola, New Mexico, which is like outside of Santa Fe, and it's largely indigenous Mexican and whatever um, happening there. And you would think it would be framed as like, oh, actually, it's the white liberals that are like ruining everything. And there is elements of that. And there are elements of that in reality. But there's no like, you know, glamorizing the actual town itself, which I love. 
No, everyone on it is pretty gross. You know, yeah. not everybody, but what the, the thing that I was most excited for is I was excited to see a work of fiction that finally addressed reality TV mm-hmm. because it's the biggest fixture of our pop culture now for 15 to 20 years. Yeah. And there's been no films about it. There's been no fiction set in it, even though like it's obviously very rich thematic content because the people who will get involved with reality TV, uh, they embody so much of what's wrong with modern humans. Mm -hmm. Um, Like I watch 90 day fiance. I think I told you this like Mm -hmm. religiously. Yeah. It's the most vile piece of shit. um, Cruel hellhole of a series ever it's it's just so bad it's like the fucking idiot who's getting involved with some third world um desperate poor you know the 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 idiots exploiting the desperate poor person the desperate poor person exploiting the 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 idiot the fucking producers exploiting all of them and then us exploiting all of it because their humiliation is just so pleasurable and cringe to watch. But when you're in the reality TV, you don't get the layer. So it's almost, you don't get the layer of distance. So it's like, you're just being (laughs) so bad, but it, it, it's, it's a learning, you know, it's seductive. Yeah, that is what I wanted to watch, and that's why I was so intrigued by the series. Like, I like all Nathan Fielder's stuff. I respect mm-hmm. him a lot. Um, I don't like love it, but the idea of him working with like a real filmmaker yeah. and then addressing reality TV from actually a fictional standpoint that allows him to like sit back and write the show out uh, was really interesting to me. And then. <clears throat> I didn't even know the show was out yet. They did a horrible job promoting it. Terrible. But I was just flipping through my fucking Apple TV with Michelle and a friend. And I was stoned. And I was like, oh, shit, the curse is out. Put that on. And I was just like blown away by it because it just completely nails the fame monster mindset. Like neither of the people, the characters are like heinous people. They both fucking mean well in a lot of ways, but they're so driven by such a goofy fucking dream mm. that they can't even, they can't see themselves. And the, like the, the, the part where he's like, like, you know, they show him at the casino that he used to work at. Yeah. Yeah. And he was, yeah. yeah. And he's like, clearly was a respected member of the staff. He was well liked. They took care of him there but he feels icky about having worked at a casino. So he comes up with this bogus fucking controversy in which casinos are now somehow liable to put what, what do you say parameters in place to protect gambling addicts. That is the most nothing. Like there is no such thing as a casino who does that, but (laughs) he feels like he has to like, uh, to be this new version of himself, he has to like really kill the thing that was that he that came before. But really, he's just like it's about how we all sort of obscure who we are to present a version of ourselves that we think will appear. Which is and, reality TV. I mean, that's that's reality TV. And and what I love about it is that 
they're obviously trying to film the show. However, Nathan Fielder, we know him from Nathan for you, right? Like that's like his was his big show, which is like mockumentary kind of fake, uh, whatever. Like uh, so, it, him being yeah. in there is perfect because. For one, he Nathan Fielder never looks like he actually ever believes in anything as far like that's just his stock thing is that he's always looks like he's running some secret game that you don't know about. Yeah. And which which was what I love because there's 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 this issue where he isn't wired to believe a certain thing. But his wife played brilliantly by Emma Stone. I mean, she's she's, yeah, she crushes it. She's phenomenal in this. And um, she goes, she'll be like there was a part where they're arguing he's like yeah and then like this homeless guy came she goes unhoused unhoused honey unhoused and like it immediately resets him and and but he also you never see him actually ever buy into anything but he just does it because even though it's against his nature he does it because he's like well for one he's long housed but like you know it's and he's married to a slumlord lady who i love her parents too and everything everything about it is great it's it's great it's exactly the micro penis stuff why not why not have that (laughs) um the sexless couple like where it's like she's pregnant but you're like how like you know like i was was waiting for that like come in his mouth and then like (laughs) spit it in her pussy afterwards like i was wondering that happen yeah i was wondering because i was like i thought there was an affair i was ready for like an indigenous affair kind of thing to happen which there's still time there's only three episodes in right now but um how many are there gonna be i don't know that's the thing is this show's so mysterious to me when I turned it on, I didn't know what to expect. I saw like a oh a wow, YouTube. they're doing a full ten. Nice. Do you think yeah. they're gonna hedge? Like kind of uh, cop out. Probably cop out not, because I mean it depends. They're already done shooting. Mm-hmm. So no, I don't True. think so. I mean, we're in a totally different time now, and um and a lot of the shit is so quirky, it's like it's gonna go over people's heads, but you know, like there's certain things that I only I think maybe someone like me would really identify. Like, you know, Emma Stone is so hard up to impress the little engine conceptual artist, <laughs> and at first they sort of frame it like, oh, the um, like somehow the the little native is little native girl is better than them, but then you get to her exhibition and it's just like a fucking retarded yeah. piece of shit art idea like <laughs> ripping off Marina Abramowitz but like with a little layer of colonial theory right? And, um, and you realize that this bitch is no better than them she's still a little fucking seething fame monster it's just a different industry and the fucking scene where the old head Indian guy goes in there and he's just like that's it <laughs> the best shit i've I ever seen him. in my and life and i love and you're 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 introduced to the old head let's secure the bag like reality is what it is like and yeah, exactly. he's like i'm trying to get money i don't give a fuck which is so true when you actually peel back the layers of any of this stuff and don't listen to like third generation people who fucking don't go through any of the stuff that actually happened that they're using as their trauma the the well, I laughed at because like there's like a scene with the, the old head and like Emma Stone in the in the uh, Whitney, I think is her the character's name. But she's in the she's in the uh, desert talking to him and he's just like, fuck it. Like, yeah, let's get some money. Like, I'm trying to I'm trying to get money. Like, I, I don't care about like this, this thing that you're doing to right some wrong that like you didn't yeah, do. Because exactly. the concept is that they were there, that they're cursed in the first episode. There's the, it's 
meant to be funny, but it's like this thing where they're trying to get good B-roll, good um, like stuff for the show that they're pitching that hasn't yeah. even been picked up yet. That's being filmed by Benny Safdie, who's also phenomenal in this. And uh, he, he, it's where Nathan Fielder is like, he's like, Benny Safdie goes up to the Nathan Fielder and is like, hey, I'll get this on camera fast. Give that little girl that's selling like soda in the parking lot give her some money and all he had was like a hundred dollar bill on him and like nathan fielder goes <laughs> it's just like fuck like all i got is this and he's like all right i'll do it but then of course nathan fielder tries to get the money back after the camera's gone he's like hey can i get that back what i'll do is i'll break it in there and i'll buy all that soda off you for like way more than the money and she then she curses him and you know the curse is bullshit like this isn't that type of show like you know as a watcher like you know it's bullshit but the problem is is they're already so guilty or at least have bought yeah. into this form of guilt as like white, you know, well-meaning white people trying to rewrite 300 years or whatever of colonialism that they've bought into a girl who later admits that it's on TikTok that she learned how to curse people. Yeah. I mean, their idea of like, um, I mean, also that scene where he's at the little taco stand having to give his pin number to the fucking guys. So good. It's so good. Yeah. Every scene is just like super, super well executed and like horrendous to watch, but it feels so much more fun than like regular reality TV because you're being told the story. It's not like yeah, truly watching someone just fucking <laughs> setting a torch to their entire life, which can be enjoyable too. It just brings out the worst in you. No, and um, yeah, did you did you notice that one part where um it was in the the third episode? Now, if you guys are listening to this two weeks from now, three weeks from now, from whatever, like this, is, there's been three episodes of this. So, in episode three, yeah. there's a focus group, and I love the focus group scene where there's this guy who brings up because what 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 they're trying to do is they're trying to buy up all this property like a slumlord would buy up all this property. They're letting a, a guy, the guy who, who had the daughters who actually cursed them. He's actually been squatting and not paying rent for like two years in, in their apartment. But they're like, no, 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 that's totally fine. But they're waiting. They still have like a motive where they're trying to make the property uh, get higher by after gentrification that they don't believe they're actually doing happens and raise the property value. But then um, there's a focus group where they're like, the, uh, Benny Safdie, you know, had it conducted and was saying like one one woman's like, yeah, I don't know. Am I supposed to like them? It's kind of boring. Like nothing's really happening and all that stuff. And then but they're trying to build these like climate change, climate sustainable houses that look like retarded in this like podunk, like Native American town. And uh, one guy is just like, yeah, he goes, plus, we don't have any data that like climate change is even fucking real. You know, like it's, you know, 19, you know, 1971. Sure enough, no one can have these houses. Like, yeah. No, but and not everybody. Time when, yeah. yeah. They said these will never be the norm. And then the woman who was previously bored by the series in the focus group goes, actually, I think this is important because of rhetoric like that. And it's like, God, dude, that just sums up everything that's happening. Right yeah. Now. I mean, it there you go. You get everything. people fired up over meaningless shit. Um, literally mm -hmm. I really also love the plot line about how she rips off um, the sculptor Doug Aitken all the time with her little design projects oh I see I, I don't even I don't I, I kind of don't know a lot about that like I, I know I know I, what you're talking about yeah, so, so yeah. her little glass thingy it's a direct ripoff of a Doug Aitken piece that's somewhere in Germany oh okay Doug Aitken does these big like refracted mirror sculptures, expensive shit, makes an ungodly amount of money. Um, 
but it's like a direct ripoff in the show. And then there's like an Instagram thing. She's like, check out my new piece. So proud. And everyone's like fucking ripping off Doug Aiken much bitch. And she's like clearly really insecure about it. And that shit is amazing to me because, um, for sure. That is like for any, uh, person working in the arts, that's like the biggest pitfall of working now. Because, look, everybody rips each other off all the time. It fucking happens, wittingly or not. But at least back in the day, you could do it uh, and maybe not even get caught or maybe just like, oh, whoops, I didn't mean to do that and bury it. Now that shit's going online right away. People are going to know you're a fucking thief like right away. This actually just happened to this... um, You see this painting on the wall of the dog? Yes. All right, so that's by a painter named uh, Shannon Cartier Lucy. I got that painting as a wedding gift. Um, she's been getting huge lately. And this other artist, Emmy something, starts putting paintings up. And they're like, if not the same image, exact same aesthetic same mood same feel like this shit is the fucking same and she still got signed by a gallery because this shit kind of popping right now for whatever reason people want to buy these moody little figurative paintings but every time she posts a painting everyone is going you fucking rip off bitch shannon cartier lucy did this first you stupid cunt (laughs) like if you're already a narcissistic tryhard you shouldn't be in anything so public. And um, Emma Stone's kind of having a big year. I guess she's about to win an Oscar for another midwit Yorgos Lanthimos film. But um, this, I think, is probably the best I've ever seen her do anything. She perfectly captures this, like, narcissist, try-hard, um, self-doubting, but also unself-aware character at the exact same time. No, it's, it's, she stands out. I mean, everybody's good. Like everybody fits in perfectly. It's, it's the, like I said, I even love the Benny Safdie plot line of the guy who makes the burn victim reality TV show. Uh, I mean, I (laughs) love in the third degree. uh, That, that I I haven't, I was just realizing like how over comedy, like real comedy I was. Cause I was like, I haven't laughed that hard in so long. that, that, That caught me so off guard. It felt like I was in like 2007. Like, like laughing at uh, I'm meant to ask you, uh, what did you think of the of the soundtrack of the of the show? Uh, like, I think it's the One O Tricks Point Never. Yeah, or whatever. it's One O Tricks. I mean, he's done the last couple Safdie films. Um, he did, he did Good Time, and then he did Uncut Gems. Right. Um, and I think it's it's cool for the show because it's sort of like an aesthetic contrast. Sure. You know. You got this quirky, almost very post Woody Allen, yep, and scratchy Jewish narrative, um, but then this sort of like monumental, clashy synths ringing around it. I think it, I think it works really well. I don't like uh, One O Tricks' records have gotten pretty bad recently, but his film work has gotten really good. He's also making so much fucking money now. Like apparently, he made two million to do the Super Bowl with the weekend. So. He doesn't, uh, he's fine. He doesn't, he doesn't need my, um, 
he doesn't need no that. no he doesn't need the cosign he doesn't he doesn't need the cosign <laughs> but the um no i we had actually had a listener us uh, ask that because i i don't know anything i know that when i heard that i was like oh that's the uncut gems style music but i think it's i think it works way more because it's almost ironic like you said but it also gives you that the show is very it's very like painful but in a in a good way like it hurts to watch because I don't know. Like sometimes I don't know. I, I see bits of myself sometimes. Like you know what I mean. I want to be a nice person sometimes because the problem with these people is that they shouldn't be trying so hard. It's not that. It's not anything yeah. they did in the past. It's not anything their ancestors did in the past. It's that if they just didn't try so hard, they'd be fine. <laughs> yeah, did. yeah. I mean, yeah. well, I mean. HGTV is probably a really bizarre world in the first place, you know, yep. to be like a big fish in that little pond because you're widely regarded as a joke to anyone who doesn't watch the, the network. But then like for people who watch that shit, they love that shit. Like the property brothers make fucking bank, dude. Oh, yeah. Yeah. One of them's marrying fucking Zoe Deschanel. I'm like, I thought these guys were incestuously gay for each other. How are they marrying actresses I really, and what? I really thought they were like the South Park Hardy Boys, like gay. <laughs> yeah, so, dude. Like, I thought yeah. they were gay for each other. Yeah. <laughs> um, <laughs> Me too. But that's just the aesthetic that HGTV cultivates. This really squeaky, clean, buttoned up, um, tolerant liberalism. Uh and that's what they're trying to they're trying to show us behind that curtain what these people might actually be like like what is the psychology of a person who has any interest in being a part of this fucking world you know no. even that scene is so great i keep going back to it with the little indian conceptual artist yeah where asher is like you know well she goes uh she goes can you believe it everyone's accusing me of ripping off doug aiken and then the artist goes what you're telling me you didn't know who Doug Aitken was, but she goes, ultimately you're in a totally different, you're in a totally different sector industry. It doesn't really matter what art world people are saying. And then, um, Emma Stone's like, you don't think there's an art to what I do. And then Asher's like, Whoa, yeah. love this, love this <laughs> big debate between two of my favorite artists. And it's like, you know, they're not on the same level in any way. But also, they're also very much the same. And meanwhile, um, they th they and meanwhile, that artist woman, the indigenous artist woman, is ordering four meals from the restaurant for later. Yeah, she's just on... fucking racking up a tab like <laughs> perfect. And they don't, they don't like I. You you brought in um, an element, and I uh, just I didn't know Jewish people growing up. I didn't know any like I really didn't, unless somebody just didn't tell me or something. But um, I. Like what I can sense like when things are like Woody Allen level Jewish, I can sense it. It sticks out by the set. But like what are some of I don't know, in like media, like what are you 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 had said the last couple of times we talked, you felt slightly more Jewish or like a little more closer to like being Jewish as you've gotten older. Um, what are some things like in art like that I'm missing that are just or like in media or like popular media that are just like inherently like jewish or something because like other than like woody allen being neurotic over a dinner conversation i kind of miss it all uh banking uh, <laughs> oh okay yeah <laughs> is that, is that, are they into that are they into that oh man mm -hmm. no it's like anything that's like um got a big layer of self-doubt and anxiety around it 
So oh, that can maybe be I'm like Jew- maybe I'm Jewish. Fuck. Yeah. <laughs> well, oh, man. Um, it can be like sexual repression, mother issues, uh, guilt complexes, all of which are kind of part of this series. And, uh, you know, there's like the perennial kingpins of this shit. There's Woody, Philip Roth, um, in a very cool and different way, Boris Lurie, Holocaust surviving painter. Um, yeah, it's, it's just this feeling of guilt and obligation, you know? I mean, think about what Zionism actually is. It's like, what is, why does Israel have the right to exist? Well, the justification is because the Holocaust happened and we have to prevent it from happening again. So we need right. to make a safe hub. So, you know, you can attack that justification any number of ways, but to this day, even though I don't subscribe to that shit personally, my dad fucking, my dad has not been to a temple since he was 18 years old. Mm. And yet anything related to Israel, he becomes like ultra Jew, like maniac Mm. Jew. Like we need to exterminate our enemies so we can survive as a people level Zionist. Mm. It's disturbing. Um, but yeah, it's that. It's like this deep-seated victim complex, you know? Victim complex, persecution complex, and guilt. That is, I mean, this is gonna, so, this is like extreme level anti-Semitic. So I'm just justifying it by the fact that I'm actually Jewish. It's self-loathing. It's self-loathing. Yeah, it's Adam. a deep self-loathing and feeling of obligation to something outside yourself an intangible thing that connects you to your ancestors and yeah. it's inculcated from one generation to the next. Yeah. And now it's, it's sort of yeah. like falling apart. Yeah. Cause I'm, I'm like one of those people. I'm just like, dude, I don't, I am not like one of those, like I'm not at Palestine rallies. I'm not, uh, I, 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 I'm kind of like, all right, I see where the money's going. I see what's happening. This country is shoehorned in the middle of the middle East. And there's been fucking nonstop war ever since. It's a large, it's what, the largest funded military per capita, like ever like in the since world. Since 1982. Yeah. Right. Every so year so since what, I'm, what I'm saying is is like, okay, I don't do they need me to post the blue square? I saw the commercial for the blue square. Um, which is <laughs> what because I, I thought it was a joke. I thought because like everyone makes fun of the black square now. It's like a, a thing people can do. Uh, it, even people that posted it in earnest, the black square for George Floyd on on Instagram. It was a, it was a very strange, uh, very strange moment. But but it was a thing that a lot of people did, even if they wh- whether they wanted to or not, they felt that it would affect their standing among their friendships. But like I've seen commercials now where it's like post the blue square to stop anti-Semitism. And then they show like a black guy. I was like, man, I would never imagine a black guy posting a blue square. Just like, that's crazy. <laughs> no way. <laughs> no way. Maybe the black Israelis, but those guys. Yeah, this guy was, crazy. yeah. No, this guy looked like Eric Adams, who probably yeah. would, but, but they just, <laughs> oh, you know. Eric Adams is totally in cahoots with the Zionists. He has dude. to. He's the mayor of New York. I mean, <laughs> he's like, I mean. Yeah, exactly. You from, can't get to that yeah. seat without making that handshake deal. But, um, Dude, I can go off on this shit all day if you really want me to. Because I mean, why the such, hell not? Uh, yeah, why the yeah. Hell 
See, Israel is like one of the most confusing political issues because the typical divides start to go. You have the right wing guys who complain about free speech all fucking day. Uh, but they're Zionists. So mm-hmm. anything related to Israel, they will absolutely stop it. Nothing to destroy and silence their enemies. I'm not even sure that Ben Shapiro believes that non-Jewish people are human. Um, <laughs> and then on the other side, you have right-wingers who are kind of classically national yeah. socialist. Sure, sure. Who mm-hmm. believe the Jews are um, to blame for everything. And all of a sudden, they're now aligned with um, the woke the woke side of the left. And then, but to me, like, this is a, this is a, an extremely complicated issue. And if people don't understand how hysteric Jewish people are about Israel, they really need to. This is a thing that I was taught as a child. Mm. Support Israel because your ancestors died. I never thought about it. I never thought about it more than that. Like, yeah. So this is what you're actually going up against. This is why there is a complete insanity to the way Israel conducts itself. Um, it's pure ideological hysteria. It's not even religious. Like most yeah. Jews don't even believe in God. Israel has become like their supplantation right. of God. I see. And mm-hmm. and like when people just willy-nilly throw all their opinions behind Israel or Palestine, they forget the fact that, like, motherfuckers, this is an actually unfolding bloodbath in your time. Maybe it would uh, reflect well on you 10 years from now that you weren't fucking trying to generate clicks from it while literally tens of thousands of people are dying. It's fucked there is like it's gotten so I, I i can't talk to my fucking dad anymore every time i call him about uh something i ate for dinner or something it was right, good right. and he goes Israel, fuck yeah, yeah, yeah like it's mm-hmm. so bad and um and yeah it's gonna be a stain it it for sure will be a stain on the history of Jewish people. There's no question about it in my mind. That's just like my objective viewpoint. You can't create the world's largest fucking refugee crisis in history. That's what it will be. We will have. What up, dude? Yeah, the Jewish, uh, the Jewish, the Jewish police just arrived. Uh, yeah, just showed up right on time. <laughs> but uh, yeah. Yeah, please, we please will go on, have go on, go on. tens of thousands of refugees with every single reason. I mean, they're radicalized. No shit, they're fucking radicalized. I don't even like being told to take my fucking tweets down. Imagine how much I'd want to kill you if you locked me up in a four-mile square radius and bombed me routinely every couple of years. I would absolutely yeah. grow up despising you and wanting you dead i don't know so is this related to the context of the series yes in a way because it's this sort of like deep self-deception that defines a lot of what we think of as jewish culture yeah yeah no i i mean brilliantly said i i, I agree it's like i it's i willfully try to not know anything about this because on the other side you have 
you know the the classic like free palestine which is just a hashtag you learn in college like i of know course, they don't it's even the know same it. thing yeah it's literally the same thing however granted in my there's there i think there's a little bit less of a machine behind it i'm just all uh, people might yeah, disagree fan, but it's 100 right. anyone who says differently is absolutely retarded we're so, talking so about t- natos yeah. versus a terror cell right versus, yeah and so so that you have that aspect of it and it's just like is this not a fucking war? I thought this is shit has been going on forever. And all of a sudden we decided to just show this small little fucking window of what is it? October 7th. Is that the, that's the date, the October 7th, yeah. like attack as though it's like a war starting and people bought into it. And I'm like, look, I don't know what's real and what's fake. I, I don't pretend to know about that. But what I do know is I know when outrage starts and when that's fake, when that just becomes and, this, and uh, what it leads to. Right. Exactly. I mean, we like just how went short through is the- our fucking memory. We went through fucking hell out of outrage. Like we went through we went through hell. Like the world is not the fucking same. The 2012 Mayan shit happened in 2020. They were off by eight years. Like not bad. Not bad. <laughs> like, honestly. Not bad. Yeah, when you think it's about the it. same playbook, dude. It's the same fucking playbook. Like 9-11 happened. We had every reason to be really upset. But we should have been saying a lot more. Is it worth going to war with the country who had nothing to do with the attack? Right. Like, and yeah, exactly. Exactly. Post 9-11 destroyed America. And now yeah, people and, are, yeah. it, it's like what? A frat it's like um how many people died? Is in Israel is like a thousand that day? In brutal, mm-hmm. horrendous ways. Like Hamas, you know, Absolutely. Fucking yeah. crazy. Mm-hmm. Um but we lost Which is also guys. yeah. And Hamas isn't a country, right? Is it not? I mean it's a fucking group a terrorist group. I they mean, it's, do it's like, have polit- They were elected okay. into office in okay, Gaza. That's fair. At, so that's they fair. are the official representatives. But again, like it's not that hard to understand why you've been locked up and routinely bombed by this alien occupying neighbor for years. Of course, the guys who have weapons, arms, and are like, "Yo, rise up, motherfuckers! Let's kill these pricks." Of course, you're yeah. gonna go with that. Like they are hateful, they are crazy, they are mad, and that's what yeah. happens when you drive people crazy and mad. Like it's, it's horrendous. It takes a lot less to get me really fucking mad, like you said. You know, like it takes a lot less. But like what I was getting at is like then I I just get nauseated by by yeah they're leftists no mostly the pre Palestine people like they're 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 leftists mostly and they'll be the ones freaking out about fucking Jenna Ortega getting kicked off a scream for being saying free Palestine or whatever. And I'm like, guess what? I guarantee you that fucking bitch wouldn't want to be around me because I wasn't vaccinated fucking like through two years ago. Like this whole, like, like this whole button you press on like free speech and freedom of expression. Like now they're persecuted. It's like, I will never listen to a leftist talking about being persecuted again. Does that make me pro Israel? No, but I just don't want to fucking hear it. Yeah. I hate it. I hate it all. I hate it all. This is the worst, worst current thing. This is the worst current thing. Is it? It makes it easy to write off, you know, like the clown show of these motherfuckers. Mm-hmm. Like, if everyone yeah, yeah. was able to just like look at the objective reality of like, you know, maybe it's not good to uh, follow up a genocide of your own people with a fucking rapidly unfolding bloodbath of historic proportions and to create. The world's worst immigration crisis it's ever fucking known by far is not a great way to conduct yourself. And, uh, you know, if everybody had, like, if people talk shit about Norm Finkelstein, I have nothing but respect for that man. He's taken the hard position his entire fucking life and uh, has been vilified for it. 
And he's been correct. If like everyone was able to approach a, a political issue with that kind of seriousness and respectability, perhaps people could like develop a broader understanding of it. But there's so much ideological commandeering in so many directions that people just, you know, it becomes hashtags and, and rabid ideologuing. It's fucking depressing. Like, it really has, like, ripped apart my family since this fucking shit popped off. And that's crazy. That's the thing, like, because, like, my parents are probably pro-Israel. We haven't talked about it once. We're not Jewish. Like, we, ha we haven't talked about it once. I have, I'm not going to bring it up because I'm like you. Everything with people I agree with or disagree with politically that I care about, I'm kind of like... Let's just talk about the game. Let's just talk about whatever. Let's talk about food. Let's I, anything except whatever you're trying to say right now. But like, you can't avoid that situation. You just can't. You say because since birth, you've been hearing about this shit, basically. Yeah, yeah, and like you know, with my dad, I can just tell him to shut it off or whatever because I can chill. But like mm -hmm. my brother, he takes this shit pretty seriously. You know, he works in politics. He studied this issue a lot. He wrote his thesis about it um in grad school and he's you know he he's a much more empathetic and um concerned person than i am ultimately and him and my dad just haven't straight up talked for two months like it's yeah. it's pretty nuts uh and it's all just because of like and it's not like my brother's rapidly pro-palestine but like when when you get to the level that my dad is at Anything that's not 100% pro-Israel is rapidly pro-Palestine. That's like the that's like the inculcation of it. Anything it's it's such like a victim mindset, and that's what's also kind of annoying. And also gets back to Nathan Fielder's character in The Curse, and also Woody Allen and Philip Roth is like this victim complex is the way that. Zionists have developed generated power. It's not like it's very different than the ways that the Nazis or Mussolini or the Reds, like any all these guys develop power by like the will. We have the will. We can right, do right. this. Whereas with Zionists, it's we deserve this because of this bad thing that happened to us. Yeah. So it's a very like different ideology, but it's so it is just as dangerous in a lot of ways. It's total. Anything that's like total in ideology is very, very dangerous. I agree. No, I agree 100%. From the five to the six, we be in the mix. With job on the wheel. I need food for the kids, money for the Um, well, on that note, uh, you, you, you liked David Fincher's The Killer, as did I. Fuck yeah, I did. It's a great movie. Now, there's an article on our Substack that that has criticisms of David Fincher's The Killer. I ran it because I thought it was a well-written piece, and I like Andrew a lot. I disagree with the aspect of some of the stuff. I have a theory, and Andrew did not say this, however. I have a theory. For one... There's two two things going on here. 
for one, David Fincher's never made a, a bad movie, in my opinion. I haven't seen Alien 3, so perhaps that, that's bad, but whatever. Um, David Fincher hasn't made one. Two, David Fincher's not for women, clearly. Definitely um, not. That was not kind of a, that was what I was going to say. Never, and, then, and then three, anybody that uses the Smiths in a movie it already shot themselves through their mouth because Smith's fans never, ever want to be happy ever. And they never want to see themselves represented in anything. <laughs> I mean, I'm, I'm a Smith's man. I just saw Me too. On birthday, Me too. but I thought it was a clever use just like, cause uh, what Morrissey represents now is sort of like a detached sociopathic, pseudo sociopathic, like observant viewpoint on the world. And it makes sense that this guy who's like ultimately very detached and cold, um, would you know listen listen to it exclusively or whatever? But I don't know. I heard some of the people criticizing it, and it just sounded like I don't think David Fincher was trying to be too deep on this one. No, I think it was literally a response to the endless amount of like three hour fucking films made by American auteurs, where he's just like, here's a lean hour and fifty minute movie of well choreographed assassination scenes <laughs> you're gonna like it like what's what's uncool about that every single scene looked cool to me right um, no i i loved it i loved it i he's he, first off people people have issues with the narrator voice i'll i'll entertain that for a little bit however first off you get to watch the narrator is wrong because he doesn't have his shit together so i think it's a clever use of like Somebody who thinks they're, it's kind of an unreliable situation, unreliable narrator where he's like. And I think not- it was also David Fincher doing like um, self-criticism, like because he's known mm. to be an absolute maniac behind the scenes. Sure, like he, sure, once, yeah. he once broke Jake Gyllenhaal by making him do 182 yeah. pages. Oh, Zodiac was a nightmare for everybody. That was, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. And it's a masterpiece and it's and it's a fucking masterpiece. So, yeah, um, yeah like I, I absolutely agree with that. But yeah, like. And for me, I just I like the the ironic aspect of it where like the guy's running into problems all the fucking time. But his plan that he's narrating is is so, you know, air sealed. Also, you know, look, it's a it's a Groiper movie. It's about a guy who's an an anon guy who uses 70s TV show names to check in on flights. And um, he has a Latina girlfriend and he goes to war for her to protect her and stuff. So, well, okay. So I thought it was, I thought the end actually. So that's what I thought was like what they were doing. That's the, they're not Mm going to tell much of this story, but they're going to make him sympathetic by seeming like he's breaking his own rules, going to war for the girlfriend. But in reality, if he was doing that, he would have executed the billionaire at the end without any compunction. But when he realized the billionaire had no issue with him and that no mm-hmm. other blowback was coming his way, he's like, all right, not worth the risk then. Yeah. So ultimately, it was just about closing out the contract. He was fulfilling his own sort of mantra. He didn't give a shit about the girl. <laughs> I thought that was the coolest fucking thing. I mean, he goes back and like, you know, he, he ends with her. But I just think like, if you know, you're if your woman that you love is beaten within an inch of her life by some fucking trend monkey, you're going to execute everyone involved. But he ultimately leaves the guy supremely responsible for it alive, which I thought was a nice dark twist. I like that. Yeah. And I think people, you know, everybody I hear, they say, Oh, even if they like it, they go, yeah, it falls apart at the end. I'm like, I thought the end was great. I, I, I loved it all. I mean, yeah, 
some people don't like the Tilda Swinton scene. I love the Tilda Swinton scene. I think one of my favorite lines I've heard in a movie this year is I should have had Hagen dazs after every meal. You know, <laughs> yeah. I fucking love that line. Yeah, like, I, I, like that's some real shit right there. <laughs> like, and then I liked it. I liked how like the stupid shit that would happen in a lot of movies, like somehow the hyper trained and experienced assassin lets this bitch pull the knife out on him and get shanked. Whereas right. in this movie, it's much more realistic, which is like zero chances, brains blown out, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, it was different. But yeah, ultimately, I think, you know, David Fincher comes from the world of commercials and music to, uh, and music videos. To him, entertainment is incredibly important. Uh, and that's all of his films are very entertaining. They vary in levels of depth, you know? On the higher end, you have... Fight Club and Zodiac. On the lower end, you have shit like Panic Room. I would say the killer is somewhere in the middle of that. You know, it's really like, oh, and I think he also made this movie for streaming, you know? Yeah, yeah. He he did. He did. He said as much. Yeah, he said this is Netflix was easy to work with. I made it for Netflix. I I mean, I saw the quote he basically said, and which I agree because, like, I'm sorry, like, to anybody who wants, like, this, you know, layers and layers and layers of shit going on in the movie it's like that's not what people turn on netflix for man like people turn on netflix to be like sick when they watch a movie that's what they've and that fight scene is sick the fight scene with the big jason momoa fucking dude like that shit's sick like it was jacked like it was and the punches like the fucking punches are like insane and that's fincher man like that's fincher well it's one of those great scenes there's actually a fight scene in um, the Hannibal series with Mods Mickelson. Yes. Mm-hmm. Between well, Mods and Larry Fishburne, that's quite similar, where it's like Mods is like the ninja. He's been doing some jujitsu fucking training. And then Lawrence, who's just like, I'm 240 and I'm just going to blast you with shots to the jaw. So you have this like uh, fight between brute force and hyper trained skills. So you get to see like, the attack dog trend monkey just fucking going in. But then the killer, you know, he knows how to use his environment. He's grabbing a tool there, a tool there. And eventually you realize the trend monkey is completely fucked up. Like he's bleeding out of every fucking orifice. He's got a fucking bullet in his dick. Like great scene. Bone crunching. So good. What'd you think about it, Cy? I haven't seen it yet. Yeah. I like I, I like Zodiac. <laughs> yeah. I mean, Zodiac yeah. is, is wonderful. Zodiac Zodiac is wonderful. Yeah. I mean, all of those movies. I mean, like it's they're they're I everything has a baseline level of entertaining, and like you said, that comes from yeah. the music video aspect, where it's like, okay, I, is everything going to be my magnum opus? No, I think he's pretty self aware. No. I think he's pretty self aware. Oh, I like how Fincher Zodiac and sure. Benjamin Button are like a year apart. That's like some shift yeah, gears. Yeah, Benjamin Button is back. That's <laughs> the bad one. I forgot he did that one. I yeah, forgot yeah. he did that one. All that right. one yeah, sucks ass. Like, yeah, that's like his Forrest Gump or something, dude. Yeah, exactly. Oh, and uh, Mank yeah. sucks. Mank's no good either. The last one oh, he did. I haven't seen that. I didn't even. I didn't even see that one. Exactly. Yeah, no, no, it has Gone Girl. So it has a uh, Gary Oldman playing this famous screenwriter. Oh, I didn't watch that, but I know I remember the scene, the little thumbnail thing on like a rant. I was like, nah, not this time. I love Gary. Yeah. I love Gary O, but yeah. Nice. So you see when Fincher tries to venture out of genre, he mm-hmm. does kind of suck it up. This guy makes crime films and he makes them fucking better than anyone. 
and I tweeted recently, I'll watch any fucking crime movie. I love them all. I love the shitty oh, yeah. ones. I love the fucking good ones. Yeah. He makes the best ones. Right after I saw fucking The Killer in the theater, uh, I was like, fuck it, let's put on Gone Girl. And that movie's goddamn amazing. Amazing. And it like right. predicted me too by like a year. Yeah. yeah. Like yeah. no one was saying this shit about female psychology. And he comes out and he's just like, no, the oafish uh, husband is actually a perfectly lovely guy, miserable in his marriage. Mm-hmm. And the woman is the one who's like extremely capable of destroying you in the most creative and destructive of ways like amazing movie yeah ri- written written by the by the great jillian flynn uh absolute uh, i actually read the novel too yeah i'm going to i'm going to i haven't yet but i i like her style man that a gain like of fiction shot. season two perhaps yeah, absolutely a, no 100 oh, yeah. it's happening funny, a bunch of dudes talking about jillian yeah i don't yeah. i don't she's dude, we got jillian. adam adam should come on for that one what the fuck I, yeah, i'm sure very well i'm sure yeah, well. it's great <laughs> but uh no she did sharp yeah. objects too that she's got some, she's got some some good stuff some man eaters yeah, yeah she, she has, has a very good. interesting perspective on modern women and um because and she's honest, a woman she yeah. seems to get a lot of, away with a lot of it sure interesting but she also knows more she'd know more than i ever would you know what i mean like they see a different side of that stuff man like like they are because they know i mean there's probably a little some of that in there you know and they're in themselves well, and, they, cr- and they gone, they see. gone girl's crazy because she's the narrator too, the main character you right know, the, which is kind of trippy yeah i like that yeah. i see the whole time and then it's revealed yeah mm-hmm. absolutely love it i absolutely love it but you you mentioned like crime fiction and I, and it's like crime fiction is just the men's genre. I mean, it's a men's thing. Like it's, it's, yeah, it's what it is. Shut the fuck up. Yeah. Idiot. Or just enjoy it. Enjoy the thing. Like just enjoy the fucking movie. Like I'll watch, I'll watch my, you know, I'm going to watch pride and prejudice soon with my wife. I'll, I'll probably enjoy it. Like I, I'm, Michelle I, like, loves Michael Fassbender. So she was uh cool with the movie. Like Love people him. were saying in the group chat, Michael Fassbender is not an attractive man. I'm like, what are you talking about? No, the guy's a he, fucking beauty. Look at him doing this fucking yoga and shit. Like, come on. And he's got like a 12-inch dick. Did you guys see Shame? Yes. His fucking dong hangs like that. He's got like skinny man length on his fucking cock. So, come on. He's a great movie star. No one, man. shitty roles. Yeah. Mm -hmm. He should fire his agent, you know. Do you know Mm -hmm. what he's been doing in the few years since he had a movie? Isn't he like a dad? That yeah, he had a couple kids with uh, the model Alicia Vikander, but he's been driving Formula One, and he oh, is sick. good. He won a yeah. race, and he came in second in another race. That's crazy. People that's sick, you hear me. negative opinion of Michael Fassbender, like bitch, he's good at two amazing things. You're in a fucking group chat because it's crazy because a lot of a lot of dudes get into racing but they're not good so it's crazy that you actually get into that and you win a fucking race i didn't know that absolutely yeah Yeah. i mean you you because like paul newman was like into it but like paul newman like come on dude like frankie munoz or whatever the malcolm in the middle dude frankie munoz i forgot about that yeah come on yeah you got to do the right thing like like joe gibbs did it the right thing the old football coach he just had a team he was like i'm just gonna sponsor a racing team and find sick ass racers and it and it worked yeah like it it absolutely generally i do think it's um really cool when artists take on some sort of athletic pastime or like develop a passion outside their thing you know you have um hemingway with boxing um 
Franz Klein was a black belt in judo. Mm -hmm. uh, there's other examples. Duchamp with chess. Me with fucking bodybuilding. There you go. I was going to uh, say. Yeah. I'm always like, because, you know, creativity can feel like a fucking chore when you've done it for a career as a long time. And when you're so in your fucking head as a necessity to do your job, painters, actors, writers, it makes sense that you would want some sort of like physical activity to get out of it. You know, maybe Zionists would all benefit from taking up fucking boxing or something. Yeah. Also, also literal physical activity and exertion makes you more creative. It straight up does. When I when I go for a run and like and people have their opinions on running, I I usually go for a run and I come back and I'm like I, I think of something. I sometimes I have to stop because I have my, my phone on me and I have to stop and I'll write a little note down. I'm like that's good. Oh, oh and I wouldn't have, I wouldn't have thought of that if I was stagnant like David Fincher seven the fucking sloth room fat guy. Like if I was doing that all day, wouldn't have thought of that. Yeah, and it yeah. it also gets you out of that dumb jock nerd dichotomy of the theater kid like oh we're not gonna we're not physical we're in the theater you know that thing i think there's a mental aspect to it kind of breaks that mind, absolutely you know? i mean i was watching a behind the scenes video or a training video for sean strickland current ufc middleweight champion yeah and he was doing striking training and uh he was you know with his partner and then it's like sort of splicing interview together and he's like, look, at this level, we're not just lunkhead fighters. Like, you have no idea how calculated in your mind you have to be with every single blow. I would guarantee if you measured the average boxer or um, mixed martial artist IQ, even if they're not well-educated, because IQ is merely like a, a measure of pattern recognition, mm -hmm. I guarantee they would, like, I guarantee someone like Conor McGregor is like very high IQ. I mean, he has to be with that level of fucking charisma and control and shit. I agree with that. Strickland, that's the guy Max Crosby spars with in the offseason, right? The Raiders. Yeah. 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 I love Sean Strickland on Twitter. Yeah. Oh, dude, Max Crosby's an insane fucking like. That's cool as fuck. Yeah, I yeah. mean he's I mean Max Crosby's like six fucking six like Amazon man. So it's like yeah, he has four, that six like, forty. Weird... Yeah, yeah, he has that crazy like like yeah, is he as skilled? Probably not as uh Sean Strickland, but like he's fucking big as shit. So it's like, you know, well, two eighty. I don't expect him to be as skilled as Sean Strickland. No, but he's like but he's like two eighty. He's like fucking two eighty five, like six six. Yeah, just them, just yeah. like like yeah, I'll probably just kick somebody's ass on being big as Let fuck. me tell you guys about Sean Strickland, right? Mm -hmm. So I first became a fan of him about two years ago. He was still way – he had just come back from a motorcycle injury yeah. that took him off the UFC roster for two years. Um, before, he was a welterweight at 175. But, you know, his body changed from the inactivity. He got a little bulkier, so he came back as a middleweight. And he debuted at a press conference for all the middleweight fighters in the division. And he was kind of in the back. Like, no one really knew who he was yet. But everyone else there is showing Israel Adesanya, then current middleweight champion, absolute respect. You know, he is very good. But he's a piece of fucking filth, garbage, woke-tard idiot who thinks, you know, 
I don't know if you know anything about this guy, but he's he's really annoying. He like references Pixar movies all the time. No one knows what he's talking about. And Sean was just like roasting this fucking guy, and, and people were loving it. Oh, yeah. So I became a fan, and then he got knocked out that night by Alex Pereira, who was also a vicious fucking fighter and currently light heavyweight champion of the world. But he comes back. Next fight. Beats the fucking piss out of Jared Cannonier. Cannonier is considered elite. I'm like, yo, who is this guy? Next fight, I watch it. Uh, it's just a fight night against this guy, Magomedov. Magomedov pokes him in the eye at the beginning of the fight. An illegal move, which you could call the fight off for if you want. Strickland says, no, fuck that. Beats the ever-living piss out of the guy. Second round knockout. All right. Israel Adesanya's belt is coming up. It's due for a fight. It is supposed to go to this guy named Drikus Duplessis, who I like. This guy from South Africa. White guy from South Africa. Big hype because Izzy tried to like turn it into like a race war because Izzy's black and he was saying whatever. Drikus's parents are like, you know, apartheid or whatever. But Drikus, uh, he... Uh, sprained his ankle, he couldn't fight. So Strickland gets called off the roster. He's fifth in the division. Only person that Izzy hasn't fought yet. Izzy guaranteed the UFC a win. There's so much money invested in Izzy at this point that a loss is devastating to the company. I, however, I just fucking knew that Strickland could break Izzy. Like the difference in mentality, the fight styles... Strickland uses this old kind of boxing stance, right? And he slowly pieces you up, whereas Izzy goes for the one-shotter, mm-hmm. which you have to be – which if you get beat up, you can't get that shot off. Fight comes around. I'm like, fuck it. I'm all in. I put down $1,200. That's The odds are literally 98% to two in favor of Izzy. I'm like, oh, motherfuckers, it is on. Fight happens, goes all five rounds. There is not a chance in hell anyone believes Izzy got a... He didn't get a shot off. He got his fucking ass beat. The whole fucking fight, it was glorious. I walk away with six grand, motherfuckers. Oh, that's insane. It was awesome. I wish I fucking put down everything I... Yeah, I wish I got reckless with it. I should have put Second down a mortgage on the house. Yeah, fucking yeah, exactly. <laughs> retire account, liquidate it. Let's go. <laughs> women, that women so don't good. understand when you tell them you're gonna do that. By the yeah. way, they fucking get all like, wait, don't do that. It's like you don't understand. Like yeah. I fucking know my shit. Like you've been, you've <laughs> been more calm. Yeah. yeah. Oh, I am. You, but, you don't, you yeah, don't yeah. bet like more than you can. Like I never bet more than I would like. Them would hurt. Right, but yeah. no one can deny that watching your favorite sport with some money invested gives yeah. it a whole layer of like excitement. That's our Formula One. Yeah, that's our yeah. Formula One. That is our venture. Well, we do what you do and everything. I look. I I try to live a, a very you know. I, I try to improve myself every day. Do all this stuff. You know. Do do these things. Sun, NFL Sunday comes in. I'm fucking gambling. I'm eating like shit. I'm fucking vegging <laughs> out. And then mo- by Monday, I'm sick of that. And then I'm back. I'm yeah. back at the thing. Yeah. It's like it's like men need that like 
real pressure release valve kind of uh, palate cleanser, whatever you want to call it. And uh, it doesn't always look pretty. I'll tell you that much, but yeah, it's necessary. It for me, like I, what I love about the UFC is that just like no other sport creates the drama that it does. Like because the guys don't have like Dana White really has the principle of like these guys are freaks and weirdos. Just let them be what they want to be. And people will eat that shit up and it worked, you know? So they don't have like the endless like PR-ification of everything. So mm -hmm. like in a single week, you have so many vaccines. Like the other day, I don't know if you saw it, someone tried robbing Sean Strickland's car and got caught. Oh boy. Yeah. It went horribly for him, as you can imagine. Yeah. He ended up with his fucking ass kicked and a gun to his dome. Um, and then like, oh my God, it's too long to get into, but you guys have to Google the saga of Ian Gary, a rising welterweight fighter. Now this shit is insane. It has to do with his much older wife who controls every <laughs> aspect of his life. It's, mm. it's juicy. She's it's his like, handler. <laughs> well, you meant, you yeah, you brought up Dana White, and I love his. I love anytime he does interviews. I'm like so. His down. takes He'll are great, dude. His yeah, yeah I'm like, great. I agree. I agree. That yeah. sounds great. He's best fucking commissioner of any sport I've ever seen. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The one they, they, they no, he said to doctors, he was like, I literally will never go to the doctor again. I was yeah. like, nice. Like that was tight. What's the <laughs> I one? I I, I watched one where he was talk. I guess he got into trouble because one of his either him or one of his podcast networks had Robert F Kennedy Jr. on to talk about I don't know vaccines yeah. or some shit. And Peloton, one of the sponsors, was like, hey, you can't actually do that. You know, he's like, you're a fucking stationary bike company, dude. It's like, <laughs> I don't give like, a fuck. Dude, it was so funny, dude. He's, yeah. I was like, I was a fan. No, yeah. He's like a legitimate, <laughs> like, he's not perfect, you know? He does things that obviously piss me yeah. off. He picks his favorites with the fighters, etc. Right. But he is 100% a visionary that built a sport from the ground up in our lifetime. Yeah. You know, everyone thought we had our sports, you know, in the early two thousands, we had the things that we thought were established. Yeah. Uh, there's an interview that shows Joe Rogan in 2001 on, Co on Conan O'Brien. And he's there to promote this new thing called the UFC. And Conan O'Brien's like making fun of him. He's like, Oh, what are they like? Karate fighters. <laughs> and Joe Rogan's like, no, it's like, have you ever wondered to yourself what it would look like for a boxer to fight a judo fighter or a jujitsu guy to fight a wrestler? Whatever. That's what the sport is. It's like, who is the best in yeah. real fucking combat? Um, it, and it works. Yeah. People eat that shit up, dude. And it, you know, there's fights this weekend. I'm not doing shit. You know, I'm going to be watched. I'm going to pay the 80 bucks. Fucking, especially because it's Colby Covington, you know? He's a MAGA guy. He's the best. It is funny to see, like, because it is that type of sport where it's like, it's a bar. It's like st almost stems from like a bar conversation. It's like, you think that guy could kick that guy's ass? And it's like, well, they're, they're not this. They're not the same. And it's like, doesn't matter. Do you think you can kick this guy's ass? Yeah. <laughs> One, that's exactly what it is. Like, yeah. there's a video I watched the other day where they showed a 10th degree black belt kung fu fighter and a mixed martial artist of middling training. What do you think happened? Huh. The mixed martial artist got kicked in the stomach once before absolutely beating the ever living yes. piss out of the kung fu master. Yeah, because so that, okay. 
No, go ahead. It's I, it's a comp. You have it's it truly. Look, what separates UFC from boxing from any other of these combat sports is it's real combat. There so are I, no rules. You know, I've heard Rogan can, talk about this where like a yeah. uh, where because uh, I, I like reading all those old ancient Chinese like oh the Grandmaster just hit him with his finger and broke this guy's heart <laughs> in half and shit and I'm like sick but then. It doesn't really work. It kind of killed a lot of like people's illusions for that kind of stuff. I feel right when when it one hundred percent. Like okay, yeah. You know, mm-hmm. um, there are certain. We have like, my fairy tales though. I like just like those fairy yeah. tales. Yeah, you know, it's like come on. I mean, yeah. there are like like people have used kung fu effectively in the UFC. Like yeah. Connor Connor McGregor used to use a karate stance in a lot of his early fights, and obviously he did really well with it because the karate stance is sort of off kilter and kind of throws you off. Yeah. But ultimately, um, if that's all you got, then you're going to be fucked in a real fight because most of these motherfuckers, they can hit, they can, and they can grapple, you know? So like if you're a guy who just knows how to stand up and kick and, and block that motherfucker's going to rip you to the ground and choke <laughs> you out so yeah. fast, you know, yeah. it's, uh, it's exciting. Like, yeah. uh, if you want to see some truly amazing shit, like the besides Connor, my all-time favorite UFC mixed martial artist is this dude who was a bantamweight, one thirty-five. TJ Dillashaw, currently know, yeah. disgraced. Yeah, it's sad what happened to him because he's disgraced now for using PEDs. But there's such double standards, and this is my ultimate problem with Dana White. Like John Jones can get popped like three times for using PEDs, and yeah. he's still the king. But uh, if you're like TJ, was interpersonally difficult to deal with behind the scenes, and Dana kind of buried him. But the ferocity of this fucking kid at 135 was nothing short of like a sight to behold. This. This Northern California wigger trailer park trash. Oh, yeah, they're just, crazy. Yeah, I know them. Oh, yeah. Mm-hmm. Dude, 135 pounds, and this guy could punch through a fucking wall, rip your head off. And, you know, what was so exciting about seeing this kid fight is, like, a lot of guys have their, their specialty. But for TJ, it was like the combinations were insane. It was like, let jab hook elbow knee elbow jab and then he fucking rip your head off on the ground like oh yeah there's just nothing like it you know it's like there's so many stakes to it when you're actually in a fight with somebody i love violence (laughs) (laughs) well um on that note adam what do you got going on dude i mean i saw you brought back based uh versus cringe base safety uh versus cringe yeah we're gonna do that on like a monthly basis. Right. I, okay. I don't have time to be perusing the internet these days. Why don't sitting, you have time? What are you up to? I'm uh I'm sitting on a book that I've been sitting on. I mean, you've been knowing about this. It's, I do, I do know about this book. Yes. Yeah. So that's you know taking a little longer than I. I'm done with it. I'm just you know it's in the process yeah. publishing mm-hmm. process. Of course. Uh, and then Beanstalk and I are recording another four tracks for botched chatification. Uh, so we're going to release, we're going to take the first seven inch and these four new tracks and combine them as a debut CD released on my own label. And uh, I mean, we've been, we've been kind of killing it. We just played a show in, 
we just played a show upstate uh, in the Catskills over the weekend. Fucking tore the goddamn house down. Weird What's the name of your crowd. label? Safety Propaganda Records. Oh, okay. Yeah. Yeah, I just like use everything under that umbrella now. As you, as you should. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. And um, yeah, we played over the weekend. <clears throat> Weird show. Bunch of like mountain zoomers. You know, they're still like they live in nature, but they look like they've never been outside. Kind right. of vibe. I know the vibe. Yeah. Some yeah, rare candy it's... listeners that look like that. I think. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. And um, and then, yeah, I'm working on this other thing, but I should probably keep that hush hush. And then, you know, just training all that shit. I'm getting fucking huge right now. because I'm back on the bulk. Love it. What's your split? Like, what's your what's your you know, what's your your workout? days reps i uh i just do like i don't i just do like a full body part per day so i don't get like confused so it's mondays um legs today is uh shoulders uh arms wednesday um back thursday chest friday and then i work in ab training two of those days uh where I feel the energy to do it. And then like, um, at least two hours of conditioning work. Cool. Yeah. Yeah. Well, there, there, there you have it. Well, um, Adam, I, I, unfortunately I didn't realize Adam was a big HP Lovecraft, uh, fan. So, um, uh, oh, wicked. I, I, yeah. Is it, is it just a new England thing? I, I really didn't peg you as that. <laughs> oh, I mean, he was from Providence. So yeah. there's actually, uh, his house, you know, like half a mile down the road from my dad and drive by it all the time. And there's the HP Lovecraft museum, That's which sick. is actually just a bookstore, <laughs> <laughs> uh, but a really cool bookstore. But yeah, I've always loved his stuff. Like the profound racism of his shit is just like so crazy and retrospective. The, the cat, the cat story I love because he had a cat named N word man with like the hard R, but I was just laughing at like, if you met somebody in like 2023, right. You're like smoking weed on like this, like edge Lord guys, like couch or something. And he's, it's like a frat, like stained couch frat house. And, and all of a sudden he's like, this is my cat. You know, his name's Felix, but you know, we call him, if you're like from the house, we call him N word man. You're like, Oh, you're a big Lovecraft fan. He's like, who's Lovecraft? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Whoa, that's uh, weird. Whoa. I mean, Whoa. He had uh, one too. Yeah. <laughs> can, you, um, can you can you imagine getting like the first draft for his weird stories when he would submit so to like weird was it weird stories? I think it was the science magazine or the 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 kind of weird magazines. Tales. Weird tales. Can you imagine getting like you know the first draft was like extra crazy and they're like, come <laughs> on, come on, bro. Like like you can't yeah, you can't but it's do hard that. to say yeah. like he was part of like a clique of like dudes who wrote these stories. Did they know at the time that he was like a little bit more special than the rest of them? Well, who he was knows? raised. Like, he was wasn't he raised like? Didn't his mom just dress him up like a little girl and like like raise him as like a daughter for a while? Like he definitely had some like like one of those weird childhoods. Yeah, not, he had a. Yeah. But he loved you know he but he he loved Providence, which is weird because yeah. he did have a traumatic family life. But he moved back mm. to Providence and and live there the rest of his life. I mean, the thing with well um uh, thing with Lovecraft though is like uh, it, the, the the writing is so prosaic and the like sentences are so weird and there's so much imagery in them 
that it almost it's like one of those writers that almost feels like you're looking at a painting or something yes, like you can really totally. see the words mm-hmm. yeah he's amazing uh, no and brad and brad kelly i know you know brad too but like brad kelly oh, summed brad. It up, brad summed it up perfectly it's it's these they have plots but like it's really like a theme park ride where you're just like oh shit oh yeah, shit that's great. and you're like, like it's just very linear theme park ride and you're like no no fucking way whoa like the whole time and they, like it's that's exactly what it is like and i'm so we're gonna be covering him uh pretty soon but adam's gonna cover some wellbeck with us uh when i when i get to yeah that. we're gonna talk about possibility of an island because that's that adam yeah, recommended that i would that. like that as, as a cry as a crytonian collection uh, guy, yeah. he would he would he thinks I'd like that, and I, I don't think you haven't steered me wrong yet. So, um, uh, and that note, uh, I guess that's it. I mean, go to make sure you're on. Yeah, what a chat. We start with the curse. We go into anti-Semitism. <laughs> then we go to fucking Fincher. Then we go to combat sports. Then UFC, we go to Lovecraft man. and racism. Amazing shit. No, yeah. you know what? You got to synergize it. You got to synergize it. You're a collage artist, you know, by by yeah, nature. You're a collage artist. You got to find a way, man. You got you throw Adam seven topics. You got to let him put them together. And and you absolutely yeah. did. So <laughs> if only HP Lovecraft could watch MMA. If only. If only. <laughs> He'd be so scared, dude. Oh, boy, Woody. Yeah. He'd like, like if like. you showed if you showed HB Lovecraft a picture of John Jones, he would just blow his brains out on the or spot. Or Chandler Jones. Yeah. Chandler Jones. <laughs> yeah. Chandler Jones just put his cock on Twitter the other day and was just like, yo, man, like <laughs> yeah, no, he literally like Chandler, that family is insane. Like that, yeah. that family is I know, up. I know. Like the fact that they're all elite scary athletes. I, it's, so, it's just crazy genes. Dude, I mean John Jones is legitimately a terrifying person. Yeah, yeah, and Chandler's six five, fucking whatever, probably the same, you know, like kind of like, and he just played a different sport, and they're both like, they're both very good, and they're both a little mentally ill. Um, I mean, John is very mentally. Yeah, Ill, I think like, Chandler's got him beat though. If you what good Chandler, Chandler just took the lead. Chandler just Chandler took the lead, took the lead, lead this year. year. <laughs> he, is, he, is he said that Josh, like he, I think he said Josh McDaniels and a few other people, like had uh, like a, a a Raiders insider daughter, like molested and stuff. He started doing these like crazy, like true and non conspiracies about football. Jesus. None corroborated yeah. whatsoever. And I'm not gay. He'd always finish with that. Yeah, He's like, and I'm not like, gay. And I'm not gay. <laughs> <laughs> he tried to do like a Kanye. It was like John Jones and Kanye yeah. kind of thing. Was what he was trying to synergize which that's powerful but um, i mean john john when he beat on his pregnant girlfriend is like the scariest thing i've ever that that chandler hasn't quite done that yet he's got like three restraining orders so it probably did happen but um against these just like uh, think of who john john jones is the most lethal man alive that's like that woman on a small woman with his yeah. ch- like this is a very scary individual well it was like i always loved who- that video of the guy who tried breaking into his house by accident and gets ended up chased off by that mother crazy asshole with a shotgun it's like when petty theft turns into a fucking nightmare ah on that note guys you want to have a safe week you guys next time. later dudes